Welcome to What It Takes to Be Wild. My name is Grace and I am your host. What It Takes to Be Wild is a podcast created to encourage and support women to realize that no matter who they think they are, they can always become who they really want to be. Help us grow our audience by following us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and by visiting, liking, and sharing about us on Facebook and Instagram. Today on the show, we explore the power of horses and the freedom these animals can bring into our lives. I'm here with Bridget Wald, who is an equine facilitator who is trained in multiple disciplines to support human transformation through their interaction and relationship with horses. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I've always been so fascinated and yet also very intimidated by horses. They're such beautiful animals, but they're also so big. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you do and how you work with these amazing animals. Right now, actually, right outside my door, um, there's 13 horses, and I am in a process of a lot of personal inquiry and exploration and really deepening my practice with horses around who are they really, around bringing my meditation practices, my mindfulness practices, and other aspects of spiritual practice into the herd and watching how the presence of their bodies, which scientifically and then also I believe spiritually impacts our bodies and helps us to regulate, grounds our nervous system, does a lot of really great things. And then there's a lot of layers of the actual work with them. Um, which most of that is on the ground and involves all different kinds of exercises that explore communication, relationship, a lot of subtleties of body language and nonverbal nonverbal communication, especially really looking at what is powerful connection? How can connection transform connection with ourselves, within ourselves, transform us? And how can really enabling powerful connections with other human beings. How can that transform our lives and also transform our world through what we're able to create together? There's a lot of layers. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I'm uh, interested in the part you're talking about when the herd, when I was the first imagining this, I always thought of it as being like one-on-one, -on -one. but when you talk about 13 horses and the interaction that they have as a herd, that's really interesting. Can you say more about that? And I really appreciate your question because a lot of my work right now is getting really curious about the herd system. Um, individual horses are, are fascinating, um, but what, what I feel like a lot of wisdom that horses have for human beings is horses are herd creatures. They've been around between 55 and 57 million years, which is a lot longer than human beings. They're prey animals. They have a lot of predators. Unlike humans, we are both prey animals and we're predatory. Um, we, we have a dual nature. Horses you know, are herbivores. Um, and they've existed in herds for all of this time that they've evolved to become what they are now. And the herd prey animal structure is very unique. Like that in itself, I find really interesting in terms of what it takes for the herd to survive and all the different layers and subtleties of social structure and communication and movable hierarchies, and all of that in itself, um, you know, matriarchal structures, I feel has a lot to inform human organizational systems, you know, from an organization of two to an organization of thousands. And 
the reason why I mentioned how long horses have been around is because they've survived up until this point. And the reason why they've survived is because of the power of the herd structure and just a lot of wisdom that's in their bodies and, and in, in all of the social structures. And so, so when it comes to just even being with 13 horses, I find it really fascinating to watch all the different dynamics, which I'm happy to go more into in terms of how is leadership established? What is power? How does leadership change? What's the difference between males and females? How is energy transferred and communicated? What is the survival response? Um, how do they self-regulate effectively? And then translating that over to human organizations from the actual human organism to larger actually organizations of humans, how is leadership established? You know, who is powerful? How does energy get transferred between people? How do people self-regulate? And I see in human systems a lot of really significant challenges in communication, in the people who end up in power, in blockages and energy being transferred, in the absence of connection between our minds and our bodies, and in being able to regulate ourselves back out of a fight or freeze or flight state into a healthy regulated nervous system. So I feel that there's so much wisdom from the herd structure and what's enabled them to survive amidst a lot of stressors and a lot of challenges. There's a lot that could be translated from there into humans who, you know, amidst the COVID era and all the ecological crises and just the day-to-day -day stressors of living in a, in a wild technology society, it's like, th there's a lot there for us. That was more than you bargained for when you asked that question, maybe. I <laughs> know, it's good. Actually, it, it makes me wonder too about neurology and how um, I think, especially in the U.S., how much we really do sit in a fight or flight response most of the yeah. time, or we're always jacked up in some way, especially if we're doing the like nine to five grind. Um, and we never get a chance to, we get two days a week to come down. And those two days a week, we're doing all the other stuff we need to do. <laughs> Yep. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to that and, and how um, being with horses and, and working with horses can affect that uh, part of who we are. I love that question. And I feel like a lot of people ask, you know, how does the horse work work? You know, what exercises do you do when it comes to corporate work? You know, how does it impact my team? And a lot of conceptual stuff. And I think all that's great. And I think the fundamental, most powerful thing of being with horses is the fact that they literally regulate our bodies and our nervous systems. Not only do they teach us when they're healthy um, and in a herd environment, if you take a horse out of the herd and you put it in a stall and you lock it away from other horses, it's probably going to develop a lot of different signs of stress from social isolation and from other things that humans are doing to it that just are very not natural. So when I'm working with clients and horses, I work with horses that are living in a herd environment which means that they can be prey animals. You know, just like humans, we can be very in touch with our fight and flight and freeze responses. The difference is that when they're in their healthy herd environment, they're moving their bodies, they're in you know, as natural of a way as, as we can you know, provide a life for them as domestic animals. They can teach us how you can go into a state of dysregulation and then regulate. And they teach us how that happens through the social interaction and how important that is. And they teach us how they can do that in their own bodies because they will do big size with their, their mouths and they'll lick and chew and they'll shake their bodies just like dogs. 
Um, but because they're even more sensitive as prey animals than, the, than dogs are, dogs are predators, these responses, they, they model for humans in a lot of ways, you know, how to find healthy regulation. So that's one piece that when I'm working with clients and something happens um, in the client's body where they go from a tense state to a more regulated state, you'll actually see the horse start to process in its body that shift in energy because just like if you're in the room with a really, well, at least for me, if I'm in the room with like one or two or three really stressed out people, I start to feel it and I start to feel tension in my body. And so what happens is when I'm like that with a horse, it's going to start to, when I say metabolize the tension in the system through a healthier relationship with processing energy in a body. They're more embodied. I don't think horses can compartmentalize in their minds from my experience. That's one piece. The other piece is that horses' hearts are four to five times the size of human hearts. And there's a lot of studies. There's one group called Heart Mass. There's other groups out there that do scientific research on heart rate variability and what happens, you know, in meditation or what happens when people are together, you know, how do we impact each other's bodies? And so with horses, their hearts, when they're healthy and they're, you know, in a herd and they're happy horses, they're, they're at a certain level in terms of heart rate variability. They have a really high variability in their heart rate. And their hearts are so much larger than humans. When a human body is in that perimeter, the horse's heart and the frequency emitted by that heart meets the, fr- the frequency emitted by the human's heart and kind of the sphere surrounding a human where you can measure their heart and their heart rate. And the horse's heart and heart rate variability and that frequency actually overwhelms the human. It's more powerful than the human. And it's not just the heart. There's other aspects of horses and humans that are interacting. But for measurement purposes, that's the most obvious. So there's a lot of studies that show that when humans are with horses and you're in proximity, it changes our heart rate variability. And when our heart rate variability changes, we experience greater regulation. Our immune system goes up. There's lower depression. There's a lot of different physiological signs that indicate that we're moving towards a state of balance. So just being with horses in itself is therapeutic because they work on our bodies. And so that's back to the whole, um, what's really fundamentally important about this work is that I see in my own life that just the way we do things, is so fast paced and it's really hard on sensitive nervous systems, which we all have. And I believe some are more sensitive than others. And so just by being with the horses, like whether it's an individual client or it's a team, just by being in a farm environment around their bodies for a couple hours, like that in itself feels like some of the most important work. To slow people down in their bodies in a way that they get to have an experience that's more balanced. And really they get to start to notice in that space some contrast between wow, I feel so calm and in touch with myself and what's important to me. And then a contrast between that and usually some outer, you know, the day-to-day life of of craziness. And so in that contrast, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of um, possibility. It's interesting. I'm experiencing that with my work right now where everyone wants to go at an emergency speed. Yeah. And I'm like, I... I can focus on four things for the day 
and that's all I want to focus on. But you know, I have Slack pinging me every 30 seconds and I have emails coming in and whatnot, and it's just too much. And yeah. I often feel bad because I, I'm like, well, I should be moving faster. I should be doing more. I should be more productive. And at this point in my life, there's definitely an inner voice that's like, no, <laughs> no, you're 43. You've done enough. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I do miss that three days in nature will bring me down about 10 notches, which is really yeah. nice. But what you're talking about reminds me of um, an interview I just completed that um, by the time people hear this, will, will, they will have heard that one. And it's on um, sharks and this lovely woman mm-hmm. who swims with sharks. And one of the things that she says is that sharks have eight senses. Um, There's so much going on with their ability to uh, pick up information and digest that information and um, so much that so when there's a person underwater who's nervous, anxious, Mm. tense, they actually swim away from them. They leave them a wide berth because they don't like their energy and they don't want to be near it. Yeah. So there is this component of nature. Yeah. And I, I'm curious uh, what your reaction to that is and also yeah. how that, uh, how all of this sort of affects you as a woman. Mm. Yeah. So that first piece about what you're talking about with sharks, I mean, I just find like, I'm just starting to learn about different species. You know, my love is horses. Um, I've just had such profound experiences in the ways that they've impacted my life, um, my, you know, womanhood, my physical body and helped me recover helped helped a lot in some recovery from some significant health issues that, you know, burnout, kind of like you're saying, all the, cra- all the craziness of the emergency speed. It's like that had burnout had a lot to do with those health issues. And horses had a lot of wisdom in there. So there's a lot there. Um, but in terms of the first thing you mentioned about sharks and swimming away from humans that are coming with anxiety. And when it comes to horses, at least from my experience, and part of the reason why I I love working, doing all different kinds of client work with them is because from my experience and from what I've learned from my teachers and mentors, if a person comes presenting intense anger or really intense anxiety, probably the horses aren't going to be running over to them. At the same time, horses, and this is part of how they've evolved over millions of years, I, what I explain is that horses are really not attracted to and really repelled by incongruence. So what I mean by that is when a horse is in the wild, there's always going to be predators around, sometimes closer, sometimes farther, but there's going to be predators around. And they need, if they're in a state of, of fight or flight the entire time, they're not going to live very long. So they need to find a way to be able to stay pretty regulated while also being able to respond and react and, and survive. And so horses are really sensitive to congruence and incongruence. So congruence is when a predator is in the area and they are full and they're acting full, the horses feel that they're being congruent and they're gonna relax. When the predator's hungry and they're acting hungry, the horse is gonna run, they can feel that. What feels really, really not good is when, when there's incongruence. So when a predator is feeling hungry but acting full they know horses know it in their body 
that that's in the area, even if they can't see it, they can just sense it. And they've developed ways to sense that in their bodies that, you know, in some ways you can measure and in a lot more you can't. And when it comes to humans, my experience and what I've learned is that horses don't like incongruence. So if I'm anxious and I'm acting really confident, which a lot of people will do, they don't want anything to do with that. At the same time, if I'm anxious and I'm acting anxious, or I'm in grief and I'm allowing myself to be present to grief, which is an intense human emotion experience, from my experience, the horses can receive that. They'll actually, I've had experiences where I'm so anxious and I'm acting so anxious and I'll be met with such warmth and curiosity and care from the horses. So I think that's a really interesting thing. And that has a lot to do with the client work because I, in my own body, feel like I can sense incongruence and more congruence than a human. Because when a human is congruent and their mind is in alignment with their body, their breathing in alignment, you know, it's all, it all makes sense. I feel safe around that person, you know, whether they're angry, whether they're grieving, whether this, it's when someone's acting like they aren't. And it's not just acting. I think given that we're so disconnected from our bodies, I think we're inherently quite incongruent. So when it comes to horses, like you were saying about the sharks, I think it's all about how the more my clients, the more I can move towards congruence, the more successful we can be in partnering and in communicating and in metabolizing our own experience. And I find that when I'm more congruent, I am a lot happier. I feel more connected. I feel a lot more clarity about who I am and what's really important to me. And so that things like, you know, panic speed in terms of work and, you know, all the pings I get on my phone and that obnoxious thing that my friend says to me, it's like those things bother me less. I react to them less and I'm able to respond with a lot more skillfulness from that place of congruence. So that's the first piece. And then in terms of being a woman, I think that there's, it's an interesting question because I think there's a lot about women and horses and a lot about women finding what is integrated power in a woman. And I think there's so much that's disowned from womanhood in my experience and in our culture, in the ways that there's, you know, culture pressures around how our bodies need to look, culture pressures on how we need to be nice or we you know, can't react in certain ways or we need to be subservient in certain ways. And what's interesting about horses is that they're matriarchal systems. Leadership is not defined by the powerful male who's bigger and stronger and can go impregnate other females and fight. Power is who has the most wisdom and who's the most present. And in the vast, vast majority of wild horse herds, um, like, you know, upper 90 percentile, there's a female matriarch, and there's usually a second female in command. And they're usually some of the older females. They're not young, and they can't necessarily fight or run the fastest, but they are so present to their surroundings, and they're so able to regulate themselves in their environment, meaning they can, they can track so astutely what's happening in all the other horses bodies what's happening in the environment like their ability to stay grounded and you know live their horsey life while sensing so much information and then the moment they receive a cue 
communicating that in a split second and you know deciding course of action for the group. All of that I find really, really interesting. That it's a matriarchal system, that it's not about, you know, they don't look super fancy. They're like old, older ladies, but they're wise and they're present and that's the currency that's really of value. So what I've learned about womanhood and what I've learned about grounded like female leadership has a lot to do with how present can I be? How grounded can my nervous system be? And how can I cultivate wisdom? How can I cultivate care? Which is one other thing I left out about leadership. It's not the horse that's the most present and the most wise. It's the horses that care the most. Because to take on that much responsibility, the horse has to care for the herd. And their care enables other horses to live out their parts of the life cycle. The young to play, a lot of the males to go and to go and impregnate and fight. Not to say that the male horses are not high up in leadership, but that's generally the, fem the, the females end up at the very top. And then it starts to stagger based on, you know, male or female, who is wise, who is present, who cares. And, and that way, everyone, you know, from young to elderly can play out their parts of the life cycle and have their place to be however they need to be. So do you have um, workshops that you do for women around this? So I work with a lot of women. Um, I do a lot of workshops. None of my workshops at, to this time have been geared specifically for women, but I'd say women are 70% of my clientele. I do workshops that are around like deep personal transformational work on leadership development work. I mean, my workshops range from working with grief, working with some of the more, you know, ethereal aspects of self-development to another side of the spectrum of working with very practical, you know, how can we work with the herd and learn about strategy? How do we learn about embodying leadership in a way that, that, that's, I'd say, more catered towards corporate and sounds a little bit more tactical? The work with women specifically, um, I've started doing work with uh, teenage girls, and that's really meaningful to me, and I, I plan to do a lot more of that. Um, and I do plan to do women like female specific programs in the future um, on top of the workshops that I offer in some, you know, some circles and other things. So there's a lot of power there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just the way you describe the herd, it's so rare that you hear anything like that. Um, yeah. 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 And it makes total sense, you know, and I keep waiting for that to happen in humans, but um yeah. What a, based on what you've learned with, with the horses and your experience with people and the horses and w them working together, what kind of advice would you give uh, our audience or the women in our audience? Hmm. I imagine and those listening have heard me say the word regulate and self-regulation uh, a bunch of times at this point, uh, because more and more that's becoming such a central focus of my personal work, my work with clients, and my own, you know, epiphanies around, wow, everybody is so overstimulated and stressed by the way things are for humans at this time, that I, most, you know, everyone that I meet, besides a rare few, and I feel like so many of the symptoms 
of dis-ease that we experience, whether they're really big symptoms, you know, just really unbearable anxiety, addiction, all sorts of really big challenges to smaller symptoms of just like the daily stressors, the daily feelings of like, oh, this doesn't feel sustainable. I, and I feel like that's a part of life too. Like there's parts of life that, that feel more sustainable and there's parts that, that get out of balance. And so I think the biggest piece of wisdom or advice that I have is around how can we all learn to self-regulate effectively? And I believe it's, it's inner work and it's coping skills and it's a lot of outer work and saying no amidst a lot of pressure to do it all and do it right and look a certain way while doing it, especially as women. And so, you know, for me, a huge doorway into what really works in terms of regulating my nervous system is, you know, changing my lifestyle in a way that's allowed me to live closer to horses and, and literally have my body absorb regulation in a different way. For some people, that might mean moving close to nature. For some people, it might mean that they are isolated. And it's like, how do we seek more connection? And then for all of us, in addition to the outer you know, examination of, is what we're doing sustainable for our nervous systems or not? And you know, what, what kinds of changes can we work towards if it's not to regulate ourselves? And then on top of that, it's you know, doing that inner examination and seeing what practices and tools that can help us to find states of, of more sustainable calm. Best case scenario, to me, that's the recipe for thriving in a life, to being able to wake up each morning and lead from a place of being connected to who we really are and what our gifts are and how we are positioned to be of greatest service and to experience a joyful life, productive life. And then on another side of the spectrum, it's the inevitable stressors and breakdowns in life happen. And we're in the middle of a, a, a big worldwide breakdown right now. And I feel like these skills are so fundamentally essential around learning how to regulate ourselves so that we have resilience in the face of challenges. That's a big thing that the horses are teaching me. And I'm so grateful for that doorway in my life and for the doorway that I'm able to share with others. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds it sounds so inviting <laughs> for me right now. Um, so overdue <laughs> for me. So I might just run up there and stay at your place for a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you are totally welcome up in Ned. It's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> so just to, to close up today, um, tell us a little bit about your offering and um, if people are interested in working with you, or working with horses, or maybe they are a leader in their organization and they want to work with you from that standpoint, what, uh, what do you offer? Yeah, thank you. I offer a few different things and I, and I do feel like the horse work can be quite, um, ethereal to pin down and to explain. So, so I guess the first thing I always say to people when they ask, you know, I'm interested in something, what can I do? I usually refer them to my website. So that's E-Q-U-U-S-L-I-B-E-R-A-E.com. I'm sure it's somewhere wherever you're listening to this podcast. So, um, so that's Equus Libere, which is uh, horses free in Latin. And so I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do group work. Um, so 
I do different workshops. I do what I call Equus Liberae circles. I do corporate work, so team building work, team development work. My other, uh, my other work is in the consulting and coaching space doing organizational work. So sometimes I'll combine a team building like half day or full day with some kind of larger development program that's going on with the team um, in order to help make that be one element of you know, sustainable, holistic culture work. And I also am going to be putting a lot of energy into youth work after the stay at home moves to safer at home. I will resume offering one-on-one -on -one sessions and then later on in the summer and really depending on a lot of different factors and ethics, um, I may start doing like two to three person groups. So there's where you can find my work in terms of the website and I offer a lot of different things. Um, and so there's a lot of great descriptions on the site and different testimonials that help to add a lot more structure of, well, what do you really do? Because that um, is understandably a mystery to most people. Thank you so much for that. It's uh, sometimes I think a very big chasm between <laughs> organizational life and being congruent with oneself and connected with nature. So thank you for doing that work and teaching people how to bridge that pretty um, difficult gap. So, well, thank you for doing the work you're doing. And yeah, absolutely. I find it to be extraordinarily fun to meet all these wonderful <laughs> women like yourself and learning yeah. so much. And I'm already going down to the Caribbean to swim with sharks next year already. Oh and I'm just going to go <laughs> play amazing. with horses. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us, Bridges. Awesome to talk with you. You too. Have a great night. Be well. Stay you. safe. You too. That was Bridget Wald, lover and student of horses. You can learn more about her work at www.equuslibere.com. You can also go to our Facebook page and see images of Bridget and her horses. Help us grow our audience by favoring us on iTunes and visiting, liking, and sharing about us on Facebook and Instagram. Your support has helped us impact more women across the world. Until next time, be bold and be wild.